Retro Hangover, supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Studstill Smash the Milkman, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon, JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Laguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, The Backlog, Thunderdome Gaming Society, Chimera, Jenny E, Rick Firestone, Parallax Puddles, Soha, Keith Gasper, Dave Jackson, Eric Guest, Kayla Jackson, Nomad from the Retro Wildlands Podcast, Ash Event, Alan Bingham, and Storm Beagle. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to the most recent episode of Retro Hangover. Showing classic gamers, welcome to the podcast where we group goofy groupers gagging gas gently generally. This is Retro Hangover. I am your co-host, Chris Copleen, with, as always, your host, Shane. Done goofed dick Now the only thing I can think of is just like a big penis with like a goofy face on it and that's horrifying. Why, why would you do that? Why? why what do you mean why would I do that? You're the one with the goof dick dragon thing. It's done goofed. It's a goofy dick. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. <laughs> I guess it would be a goofy dick. I say Dog you know dick. there has to be some really weird esoteric community out there some etsy some dark web etsy shit of like a goofy dildo or something that has to be a thing oh my god i i want it with sound effects <laughs> so like there's a button at the end so it's about to go in it just goes yep <laughs> or <laughs> no <laughs> it's it's like it's somehow aware of that and so like when it just when it when it penetrates it just does that sound like it's falling down a cave deep hole you got there (laughs) Uh, oh god all right we've we've already ruined this episode will goofy die really quick in there like he does in kingdom hearts (laughs) oh too soon or is that donald which one dies all the time it's donald isn't it well, okay. Well, I mean, I don't know what you're talking about, but like all the time. I mean, there's a scene in Kingdom Hearts where Goofy just straight up dies, or it's implied that he dies. He doesn't, of course, actually die, but but there is that. So it's kind of like you shove the dildo in, and it's like all active, and then just peters out. I yeah, yeah I don't know. Out. I mean, it's maybe it's like a Mr. Hands scenario. I don't know. Yeah. We're putting way too much thought into this creative process. I think we really are. You know, I'm just wondering, like anybody who happens to come across the show and sees this episode and they're like, oh, 
I would love a really great take on this family-friendly game, <laughs> Goof Troop, for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. And these fine gentlemen have provided this episode in which they will discuss this and will definitely not bring up weird dildo things in the first, like, five minutes. Well, obviously you missed the fact that it said explicit. <laughs> But welcome. Yeah. We hope your children are having a good time in the back seat. Oh, man. Where you made them. <laughs> but not with the dildo, unfortunately. Well, maybe. I mean, nowadays, people are getting creative with what they can put in those things. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. We we have the technology. We do. Could you imagine like a, a goofy dildo popsicle inseminator? Oh, my God. That's like taking Disney adults to like a whole new level. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, that's right, Billy. Your mommy was inseminated by a goofy. <laughs> uh, Ash is probably listening to this while editing. He's just like, dude, guys, what the fuck? Uh, anyway, goof troop. Am I right? I'm dead. I'm dead. Uh, this is how it ties into Resident Evil. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Anyway. Oh. <sighs> Ah, uh, well, I was already going to hell. I'm just trying to seal the deal. All right. So our, our game of the day is indeed Goof Troop. We are going to inseminate your ears with what games that we have been playing lately as we are wont to do. Shane, how about you baste their glorious ear holes with some goodness about <sighs> Good the Lord. game you've been playing lately? Uh, yeah, sure. So let's see, what have I been playing lately? Uh, well, I did come across this little little gem of an early access game called Halls of Torment. Um, I believe I posted it in our the 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 Rowdy Randall Shill Shack channel in our Discord. But uh, yeah, I I really like this game. It's it's basically a, a vampire survivor clone, but it is purposefully sort of aping the the isometric Diablo one aesthetic and doing it really, really well. Like it looks like if you were to turn Diablo one into a vampire survivors game, this is basically that game. And so, of course, that that it's like this was tailor made for me. So, yeah, so I've I've been putting some time into it. I think what do I got like six hours of playtime, according to Steam and uh, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Like as you get further in the levels and unlock achievements, you also unlock new characters to play as as well as uh, additional interactable either NPCs or 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 buildings slash like monuments in the sort of town area that you start in all the time. It's loosely a town. It's more like it's very reminiscent of like the Diablo two loading screen, actually, because all of your characters are standing around a campfire in much the same way. Like I said, you unlock new stuff you can talk to. Eventually, you unlock an NPC that allows you to carry over items that you find in your runs, because in addition to like leveling up and gaining new skills from like a selection of, I think, three just like you do in Vampire Survivors and other games like that, you can also find gear uh, that you can equip. And you get that from treasure chests that you get off of bosses. You eventually unlock this NPC by rescuing him from the level. He's trapped in a cage, and when you rescue him, 
he will stay up in your town and he I think they call him the well keeper. And so he stands next to this well that basically connects down through the levels of the dungeon that you're playing through. And so every run that you do, you're allowed to keep one of the gear pieces that you find during that run by going back to where the well is located on that level and essentially sending the item back up in in the bucket up the well to this guy. Now, the trade off there is that you no longer have that item for the rest of your run, but it is now available for you to purchase from him when you get back to town after your runs over. And once you purchase it, it's unlocked for all of your characters forever after that. And you can create gear loadouts based on the items that you've found and unlocked that you can start runs with. So that's another way of sort of like building your power over time for your characters is finding all these different items that give you different boosts and then figuring out like your optimal like gear loadouts for the different characters and then doing runs with them. So they're still working on it. Like I said, it's early access, so they're adding more stuff all the time. But even what they have so far right now, I really like. I think it's like five bucks. So not not a big ask. So if you're interested in that style of game uh, and or you like that old school, like isometric RPG sort of aesthetic, I would definitely give this a sh- give this a look. Halls of Torment. It's uh, it's pretty cool. But I think that's the biggest thing that's been taking up most of my time other than things that were playing for the show but what about you chris what what have you been doing lately i played through all of lufia 2 and that's a good game it's a good game i think it's one of those games that how do i put it you know those games that you get a lot of hype about and then you play through and then you're you don't quite understand the hype yeah i'm kind of there with lufia 2 it's it's not that i dis dislike it i really like it i think it's a really solid game I just don't see what everyone else sees in it, mm. if that makes sense, or at least like the people who love it, what they see in it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really good game. I think it's solid. There are some plot points I didn't think really matured where I thought they were going to go, but I can I can see what it was like when people played Lufia 2 back in the day and what they loved about it, because here's here's a game that really takes a lot of classic JRPG gameplay and you know, turn-based combat uh combat has you know your your generalities and how you attack with with some wrinkles here and there but then there's a lot of puzzles and those puzzles if if you like puzzles in your in your games like brain teasers more along the lines of zelda but actually a little bit more complicated and not as annoying well in order to get to them uh then like luvia 2 might be your jam it has a lot of cool things. The thing is, is I can't really I don't have a lot of patience for puzzles in my games. So it took me a while to get over that. <laughs> Thankfully, in my case, is that is, is that foreshadowing uh, our discussion of, of the game today? By any chance, <sighs> I have different things to say about our game today. And, oh, okay. uh, yeah, we'll definitely get to that. Uh, but when it comes to Lufia 2 in particular, it, it does shift away from the puzzles and starts getting more to your traditional JRPG combat later in the game. And that's where I think it separates itself. And that's where I like I really do like it. And I think it does do some things in terms of its narrative that I really do appreciate. I, I Again, there are some things I 
thought were going to happen that didn't happen that if they did happen, I think they'd be cooler. I know I'm being extremely vague here. I don't want to spoil anything, but overall, yeah, I had a really good time with it. And I, I kind of look at it and uh, from the perspective for the reason I'm playing it, which I don't want to really talk about at the moment. And I can say, yeah, like this is this is like a really good RPG of that time. And uh, it, it, I don't know. I'm going to do a rapid fire review. I'm going to be more in detail with that. I'm also going to be doing a a long form review with Adam from the good, the bad and the backlog. So keep an ear out for that over on his channel. But yeah, yeah. Lufia got through it overall pleasantly. I would say surprised because I was expecting it to be good. Not as good as I thought it was going to be, but I am overall happy with it. I, I can say I enjoyed my time there. Nice. Oh, and also just real quick, because I. I don't know why I didn't. I just glossed over this because I guess it was a given. But I've also been playing a fuck ton of Diablo 4 because, of course, like, why would I of not course. be doing that? So, yeah. Shout out to Necromains. Necro, best class. I will not take any criticism. Necro is best. But I suppose we probably ought to get to the the game that we are here to discuss, which, as we've mentioned, and as I'm sure you saw in the title, is Goof Troop. For the Super Nintendo, and here Family to give friendly. you a very involved and deep history of this game is Chris. So, Chris, would you please enlighten the people about Goof Troop? What do you do before you establish the game that will be the foundation of the survival horror genre? Design Disney games, apparently. No, there isn't much to say about our game du jour, aside from the fact that Shinji Mikami, of Resident Evil fame, was one of the game's lead designers. Aside from that, if we must be blunt, and at the risk of disappointing many, there just isn't much out there other than this is just another solid Capcom Disney release. In terms of that release, the critics mostly liked it, but it wasn't received as anything special, really. Sales aren't exactly known, but the game is easily affordable on the secondhand market. So there's that. Today, the game is regarded as a fun game for the Super Nintendo and one of the console's underrated gems. But do we agree? We'll find out today, but as for the brief, brief history itself, I guess we done goofed. And that is your brief history of Goof Troop for the SNES. Wow. Thank you, Chris, for that uh, insightful look into the fascinating history behind look, Goof Troop for the Super Nintendo. Look, man. <laughs> look. I really couldn't find anything about this other than it was a Disney game. And I, I, I do feel really bad because this was a Patreon selected game. Like the patrons <laughs> voted on it. They said, we want to hear you talk about Goof Troop. It was nominated by our excellent patron Stud Still Smash. And I this, this is what I could find. It's like, here's a game and we made it. Uh, that's true. I guess we didn't. I guess we didn't mention that on, on the outset. But this is, in fact, yeah. uh, the the result of our quarterly patron polls. So yes, we're just like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a game. So there you go. You guys getting your money's worth yet. That's it's literally <laughs> all I could find. I know I blame the internet 
And, you know, it is it is interesting that you you can't really find all that much without doing like some more extra digging on this. I'm sure like if I dug really deep and went and I don't even know if I could, to be honest with you, because uh, this is just a licensed game. I hate to say just a licensed game, but this is a game that was regarded well generally throughout history. You'd think there'd be a little bit more development notes on it. And it just seems like, nah, man, we just we had a license to make a game based off this cartoon from uh, on the Disney Channel. I think it was more on the Disney Channel. It was like on UPN or something. I don't know. Yeah, we, we made this game based off of it. And there you go. Like we just wanted. Yeah, it's that's that's the long and the short. Just a just it's a licensed game. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I even kind of took a little bit of time to try to do some Internet sleuthing after I saw the brief history. I was like. There has there has to be something. I went and looked. Yeah, there's there's nothing. There there is not any useful information, any insight into the development of this game. It was just like, yeah, man, it's a fucking Capcom Disney game. There you go. Yeah, it, it, it's not even. It's like here's the weirdest thing about this is you know how they had that Saturday morning collection for like the PS4, Xbox, and Switch or whatever the Disney collection. Yeah, yeah. this game's not part of that. And again, this is a well-regarded game, and I think this is the only place it's ever been released was on the Super Nintendo. I don't think it's come out anywhere else. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. This game has kind of been lost to history, and it's only really been passed down in terms of like oral history like the ancients did. So it's, it's, really, <laughs> it's really interesting how this game, despite Capcom somewhat never acknowledging that this thing existed despite having some like really good talent on its staff is just mind blowing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I even, I, I found like the article on uh, the cutting room floor, which is a pretty good mm-hmm. site for a wiki style site for some, you know, unknown things, cut content, what have you for, for games. And there's, there's really just not even that much that's interesting. It's like, the only thing I mean, there's a couple things I'll throw in at the end in our, our miscellaneous. Yeah, there's just not a lot here. So I guess having said that, we should probably just kind of start, you know, yeah. jumping into things. So, I mean, Chris, do you do you have any like personal experience with this game? Uh, I guess I kind of have experience with it insofar as there was a cartoon that I occasionally watched back in the day. Yeah. OK, there you go. I know there was a cartoon. Yes. I didn't even know the game came out, to be honest. I didn't know there was a game. <laughs> I came to the acknowledgement that there was a game like a couple years ago. I mean, uh-huh. within the past decade, when people said, hey, this is a really good Super Nintendo game that everyone should check out. I was like, OK. And then I heard Shinji Mikami worked on it. I'm like, that's really interesting. And there are some, I guess, technically some elements here that do carry over into Resident Evil. If you really want to get technical, I don't think that was intentional or intended to be. But there is some things that you could say are there but that's that's really it like this is the first time that i've ever played this game or really know or really found out how it worked i i you know slight spoiler i'm kind of glad i did i'm finally i'm happy i got to play this game but other than that yeah no this is my first time ever experiencing goof troop the video game yeah well and i guess this is one of those little miscellaneous tidbits but since you kind of brought it up i think it naturally fits here but yeah i mean you know whatever he said she said kind of hard to nail down the exact truth of the matter but from what i gathered 
the room by room progression of this game, the way that it plays out actually did sort of influence the very, very early builds of resident evil. When Shinji Mikami worked on that, I think it was a what, like three years later. Yeah. So, so there is that there's a little bit of a connection there, but yeah, as far as my personal experience, I, I also did not know this game existed. I might have known about it maybe a little bit earlier than you. And only because I, <laughs> I watched the game grumps playthrough of it <laughs> on YouTube. Mm. So I knew it existed and I saw kind of the, some of the, some of the frustration with some of the puzzle elements of the game. But yeah, that was really it. And, and I did watch some of the, the goof troop cartoon back in the day. It was not in my top favorites. I will say that I think things like Darkwing Duck and Rescue Rangers and DuckTales probably were much more my, my jam than, than goof troop. Um, not that it was bad. I don't know. I just never really clicked with me in the same way that I guess those other ones did. But yeah, I uh, I had never played this, even though I had a Super Nintendo. I didn't even really know it was a thing. But I think somewhat similarly to you, um, you know, I'm glad that our patrons did ultimately vote this in as an episode topic because it was a reason for me to actually go and and play this. And and for the most part, I, I would agree with you that I, I think I'm glad that I did get the opportunity. So, yeah. And I guess that leads us right into the story of this game and, and the writing. <laughs> which yeah. from from what I under, understand, I, I forgot what they're doing because every single time I tried to advance it, it would just skip over it. But apparently Pete and PJ, which are Goofy and Max, Goofy Max is Goofy's son and PJ is Pete's son and Pete is Goofy's neighbor slash asshole neighbor slash rival slash best friend or you know how Disney shit works. Yeah, the, the relationship is complicated. It's very complicated, but he gets he doesn't get captured by pirates. He gets mistaken for the leader of the pirates and who is also called Pete, by the way, who is also Pete and looks exactly like he keel hall Pete. Keel hall Pete are they mistake him for for Pete. They mistake Pete for Pete. The adventures of Pete and Pete. <laughs> Shout out if you get that reference. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you're going to try and rescue them by going through the village where apparently everyone's been terrorized by pirate Pete. And you, you, you get this in these uh, very, I guess, uh, inauthentic Caribbean accents, maybe you want to, I, I guess. I mean, insofar as like they are, are in text, right? Yes. I mean, is that, yeah, you can read hey, into that as much as you want. I mean, they say hey, them mom. as like Dem, like D-E-M and stuff like that. So there's that, I guess. Hey. You be in the islands, man. Yeah, exactly. Like that. It's exactly like that. And I mean, the whole like conceit of this anyway is is sort of this like confluence of events right that you learn from the the villagers and and whatnot that apparently keel hall pete was eaten by a whale Hmm. so that's why that that's why pete neighbor pete jerk ass neighbor pete that's why he is mistaken for keel hall pete because all the pirates assumed him to be dead and so there's no chance of there being two Pete's or whatever, um, at least on the outset of the game. And so that's why they're like, oh, man, our our captain has returned to us. And 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 then hijinks ensue. I'm still trying to figure out why there is a haunted mansion. I have no idea. It doesn't make sense. They just ran out of things to do. <laughs> I don't know. Another President Evil connection, I suppose. Yeah, there you go. 
Yes, you, you go into the Resident Evil mansion in this game. So there yeah, you go to the Umbrella mansion. Yes, <laughs> because they're that makes Goofy turn into a uh, a tyrant. That's and 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 turns Jill into a sandwich. Mm. And that's why you don't. Yeah, it's delicious. The master of unlocking. Mm. I mean, there are keys. <laughs> that's true. I guess that's a great segue into talking about the gameplay here. I mean, yeah, because there there's shit else for plot. So, yeah, that's it's let's, not, let's keep not going. Much. That's it. I mean, that's, you know, whatever. It's it's a Disney game. What else do you need? <laughs> You're out to save your Hi, neighbor. Hijinks happen and you are goofy and now you need to go save Pete. So there you go. <laughs> what more do you want us to say? Is it good? Is it bad? It's Disney. If yeah. you like Disney, it's it's there for you. It's a goof troop episode. It has, you know what? Pretty uh, much, yeah. Okay. Actually, I jumped too quick to going into the the gameplay here. I, I I will say this: the writing in between. There's not a lot of plot here, but the writing in between levels and and their little vignettes that they do, and with, I mean, they're nothing special graphically, but the, the writing itself, I think, is actually pretty clever, and it did give me a little bit of a chuckle. It's not the worst. It could be a lot worse. They they don't have to really put anything, but they at least tried. So I'll give it that. I'll give it that. Yeah, I mean, actually, I didn't really think about this and I don't know why, but you're you're absolutely right. Like this, this game could very well be just an episode of of Goof Troop, Mm -hmm. like 100 percent. So I guess now I mean, now we're ready to go in the gameplay because I I think this is. Yeah, this will definitely be the meat of it as it typically is. But it's a puzzle game, first and foremost. That's that's what this game is. There are sections where. There, that is debatable, but uh, they are few and far between. And most of the time you're just trying to figure out the best way to get to the end and fight a boss fight and move on to the next level to save your uh, asshole neighbor, so to speak. And uh, I'll let you I'll let you start this one off, Shane. What did you think about this game's gameplay? You know, uh, I liked it more than I thought I was going to. I will say that having seen the the Game Grumps playthrough and clips of of this game before i didn't really think it was going to be my cup of tea and truth be told if we hadn't gotten this selected as a topic i'm not sure that i ever would have played this game just because i'm not Hmm. usually big into very heavy puzzle style games like this it's not that i dislike them or anything it's just like if i have the choice i'd probably rather play something else I probably would have just skipped over this and never played it. But, you know, having gone in and actually put the time in. uh, Yeah, for the most part, I I actually enjoyed it. It controls well enough. It's not like you really need to have, you know, tight precision control in this style of game really at all. So you got a lot of leeway there. It's not a huge deal. It's very similar to like top down Zelda kind of in that way. And by and large, I found that the game is actually pretty forgiving. I admittedly, you know, I obviously played this on an emulator because I don't have the Goof Troop Super Nintendo cartridge, but I didn't really have to use save states all that much at all. And even in the places that I did use them, it was more out of just me being lazy for the sake of convenience than out of real necessity. The game is lenient enough that you could pretty easily get through this whole thing without too much of a struggle um as far as like the encounters with enemy pirates and stuff are concerned like so the way that that works right is not only do you pick up fruit like bananas and cherries and blah blah to gain hearts which are your your life totals but 
after gaining, I think it's like six or seven hearts, you gain an additional life. But not only that, but the game is even forgiving enough to make it so that if you have any hearts at all, so if you're not up to that total to gain a new life yet, if you take a hit from anything, you lose all the hearts you've accumulated rather than losing a life. So it's like an additional buffer, Mm -hmm. which is pretty nice. And then on top of that, it's very easy to build up lives and you max out at nine, but that's like usually more than enough. So in that aspect, I I felt that that was really nice. I also actually really liked the fact that there weren't a ton of different usable items that you had to like sift through. Like it is very focused selection. Yes. I think like all told it's what, like maybe half a dozen at most. Well, you got, you get the, the grappling hook, right? The bell, Mm -hmm. you get a candle, candle, shovel, shovel, uh, the planks to create bridges. Mm-hmm. And keys and keys. So yeah, like six. Yeah. Now, if you're playing solo, you can only carry two items simultaneously and you can swap between them with the shoulder button. If you're playing co-op, which for the record, this game is meant to be played co-op and arguably the game is actually a little bit more difficult in some spots when you're playing solo because it is built to be played co-op. Arguably. Yeah, not that it's not doable, but anyway, I digress. But you can carry up to two of these items. And so there are some places where you'll need to make decisions on what you need to carry with you in order to solve the next puzzle. And sometimes that will necessitate backtracking to reacquire other items like keys and things like that in order to continue on. I think that's one of the gripes I have, and it's a fairly minor one, but this game does involve a pretty fair amount of backtracking and kind of having to remember like which room you needed to go to and what the path was to get there Mm. with the items that you need at any given time. So not the biggest fan of that, especially because unless I missed something is there isn't, there isn't a map in this game. Is there? No. Yeah. I didn't think so. So that's kind of a bummer again, that this is another one of those games where I think it would have benefited from even having just a rudimentary map so that like a Zelda dungeon style map would have been fine, right? Because it's set up the same way where you just go from one full screen room to the next. So if you had like just a a map that was just a connection of blocks to show you the layout of the area you're in, I think that would have been like immensely helpful. But again, that's kind of nitpicky. But yeah, I got some other things, but I've been talking a lot, so I'm gonna let you go. So mm-hmm. what, what are you what are your thoughts on like the gameplay elements here? So I I really do like the the basic gameplay elements. I think there's a lot here that it's not a straight puzzle. Mm -hmm. So when I say there's a lot here that I like, because it's not constantly just puzzle after puzzle after puzzle after puzzle. I think breaking it up with that action and being able to fight pirates like from time to time, I think when you do get that, it varies up the gameplay enough that it kept me involved. So like the first level is a, is a really good level in, in introducing the player to the core concepts of what you're going to be doing. There are a couple other levels that I really enjoyed as well. Uh, before I get more into that, I do want to say like the, the difficulty curve in this game is not something I really did like, though, mm. because level one is, as I already said, is fantastic levels, a lot of fun. It really got me in there. Like the puzzles weren't overly difficult. Like the first time I played it, I got through it. I know you can get through that level in like five minutes, but it took me about 20 or so. 
and but I did feel good when I got done with it. I'd be like, OK, if I got went through this again, I could be able to figure out quicker and, and I'll do it. And then I got to level two and level two was infuriating. I almost just wanted to quit the game at that point because the things that the game wanted you to do, particularly at one spot or and that boss as well, was like, I, I don't know if I want to keep playing this because I, I don't feel like it's fair. And then as soon as I got to level three, it's like, oh, this is a completely different game again. Like this is completely balanced and it's fair and I'm having a lot of fun here. So in terms of its difficulty, I, I think it just varies up too much. But getting the puzzles themselves and you don't have like any sort of stupid timer, getting your items back and knowing what to do with them is fairly simple. Like a grappling hook will enable you to cross a chasm if there's a hook there. A candle will allow you to use light in a darkened area. So if you see a candle, you probably can infer that a darker area is coming up. You're going to need to use that candle. Uh, a shovel will allow you to get fruit so you can increase your life. So if you see a shovel, you can assume that there's going to be an area that you can do that. And of course, if you see a key, it means you're probably going to have to unlock a door with the boss keys being you know more detailed than the actual keys. So all these things and they're placed perfectly where you need them. Mm -hmm. The areas that I have problems with is mostly in the fact that your action button in order to kick tiles, which is the majority of the way that you'll be solving your puzzles here is also attached to the button that raises your hand to either pick up an item or throw an item. So there will be times that I tried to kick a block, but instead of kicking the block, you know, Goofy's or Max's hands went up. And some of these are very time critical, particularly starting in stage four, when you have exploding blocks and you need to be you know, mindful of how long it takes for these blocks to explode. So when you're trying when I was trying to kick these blocks, sometimes, yeah, Goofy would put his hands up like he was trying to pick it up and it wouldn't do anything. The other is when you're fighting against pirates and pirates can do things like kick blocks or pick up items and throw them at you and they can do these in puzzle rooms. And if they happen to do this on blocks that you don't want them to, it can end up making that room unsolvable. So you have to figure out a way to get around them in real time. And sometimes that's not exactly feasible because the computer isn't always consistent on how it operates within certain rooms. So when it comes to attacking the pirates or the pirates themselves, that can be an annoyance because I don't, this game does not feel like it was built up from the ground up to have any real engagement with the enemies. It feels like it was more tacked on. It doesn't feel very organic. It feels like this game's focus was the puzzles because the combat is just straight up ass when I really sit down and think about it. But thankfully, the game is majority. The game is a majority puzzle effort. So a lot of those frustrations that I did have were very limited and narrow in focus as opposed to what the majority of the game was, which made me forgive the game's shortcomings when when it really came down to business. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I think the one thing that and I OK, let me preface this by saying that I I commiserate with you on the the frustration around some of those rooms, especially in the, the latter portions of the game where the pirate enemies that have the ability to move blocks will totally screw up the room because they'll just kick that stuff out of pattern and then you're kind of screwed. But I do like the fact that the game, again, is is pretty forgiving in that nothing is really permanent. 
like you can just exit the room and come back and everything resets. So that was actually super helpful. Yeah. Knowing that that's always an option. And the fact that you could just pause the game at any time gives you enough time to really stop and study a room's puzzle to figure out what you need to do rather than, you know, just kind of like scrambling around in real time being like, Oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, I don't know what I need to do. Which admittedly I did a couple of times because I forgot to just pause. But yeah, so uh, there are definitely some frustrating parts of this game. And I do kind of agree that I feel like this game actually might have been better off if the enemies were just not even there in the first place or if they were just like window dressing in some way because they do kind of feel a little tacked on. And especially in a game that is so heavily focused on puzzle solving. It's it's almost like it's just an unnecessary distraction or, or detraction from what the game itself is presenting as like the core mechanics, which is a little bit of a weird disconnect there. I will say that. And also it's the boss encounters for the most part were like fine, but I almost feel like they were there because the developers were just like oh well video games have levels and levels need bosses like i never felt in any of those boss encounters like i was really satisfied by the encounter at all like it was either laughably easy or just like annoying yes so again not necessarily terrible, but just one of those things where it almost felt like this was sort of like a formulaic by the books sort of decision of just like, oh, well, obviously we need bosses, so let's just do this. And that's not to say that there wasn't any creativity put into the boss encounters. I mean, each one is fairly unique in its own way. Each one does require some different, you know, approach or mechanic. So there's definitely thought that was put into it, but I think. By and large, they were a little superfluous. Like I kind of I would have been fine without them just progressing through each level by solving puzzles. I think the enemies don't really introduce much other than just frustration, especially those jerk ass bees. (laughs) Those bees can just fuck right off because those are probably the most annoying enemies in this game. Was that was that level two? I just think level two is a horrendous level. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it was level two. That's I think that might be the only place they show up too. Yeah. Yeah. And just the random nature of like their flight pattern and then the fact that they just dive bomb you. And especially if you're playing as Goofy, because Goofy is slower. Yes. Than Max, but does more damage, which in my opinion, overall, I think is the better choice if you're playing solo with the exception of the bees, probably because I think Max could probably dodge them a little bit easier. So what I'm saying is fuck those bees. But, you know. Other than that, I don't know. I guess maybe I kind of wish that it focused more on really what like the the core gameplay loop here is, which is the puzzle solving and just remove a lot of the like unnecessary combat stuff. Yeah. And and the game's really short. It is. Yeah, it's it's only five levels. And those those five levels you could easily get done. Each one could be five to ten minutes each. So you're talking anywhere. If you, I mean, once you get really good at it, of course, I mean, when you're figuring it out. They'll, they'll take anywhere from about 20 to 45 minutes, depending on how good you are, like 45 on the really bad uh, end of it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's going to take you quite a bit of time to do it, like some replays in order to figure out just the level in and of itself out. So it might 
take you a few days before you really nail down how good uh, or how much you, you need to get good at this level. But when it comes down to like, I would have preferred the game have been longer, but with no enemies, like put more puzzles in. If you just completely remove it and maybe just have boss fights, but make boss fights more puzzle oriented than combat oriented, because all of them are for the most part combat oriented. And you're right. They're either too easy or annoying, like boss one easy boss two. I was annoying. Mm-hmm. Like I, I struggled a lot with the second boss boss three boss three was interesting. I, I think they had uh, uh, the two skeleton monsters. You know, they they had different patterns in the way they attacked you. And when you know, their attacks landed, which was the ammunition you use against them, I really like the level three boss. In fact, level three is fantastic top to bottom. If I haven't said that already, the haunted mansion is probably the best level, which is ironic, <laughs> but it's a great one. Yeah. And then level four is it's just it's long. It feels long. I'll say that it feels long. It's not particularly hard, but it's just again, it has these these annoying combat sections with the pirates that you'd rather not deal with. I think that's the one where you have the repeating rooms where you have those enemies that are throwing barrels at you that you can't get to that are all over the room or you just run through the middle with all these enemies that you technically can avoid. You don't necessarily even need them there. And then the boss there is extraordinarily easy, too. You can just hide in a corner and wait for them to come out and attack it. There's a lot of fluff in a game that doesn't really need it. And I think if they just focused on those puzzles, it would be a better game for it. Yeah. At the same point, I want to know what you think about this. Mm. Like, you're right. It is forgiving. But if you die, you can get into a death spiral really quick. And Yes, you are have technically have limited continues, but if you go back to the password, because as a password save, uh, you can just restart the level again with two lives, which is the same as the continue. So you do have that, Mm -hmm. but it can lead like you can die. And if you're not entirely prepared, like two like a death can become two deaths or three deaths or four deaths and it can happen really quick. Did you experience any of that? I did, actually. Um, I think the only well, I won't actually know. I take that back. Uh, I was about to say the only time I had that was in a boss battle, but actually that's not true. There was one room in particular that was basically just a gauntlet of enemies throwing barrels and shit at you that I think the 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 best solution, like you said, was really just to kind of haul ass through there and just survive. I think my first couple of takes on trying to get through that room, yeah, it, it it spirals out of control pretty quickly. Like things will be going along at a pretty decent pace and you know, you're, you're stacking up to your max nine lives and you're like, all right, I'm doing pretty good. And then you'll hit a room like that. And then you just get nailed like one after another, after another. And suddenly you have like two lives left out of and you're like, what the hell just happened? Um, so the difficulty in that way is pretty spiky. That's definitely not super great. But I think I only encountered that, like, I want to say maybe, maybe twice. It was like that one room and then there was a boss fight where I had that happen. But I want to say, I think that was also because I just didn't realize that you could catch the bombs by just having your arms in the air. So yeah, once you told me about that, I was just like, oh, this is way easier now. Yeah, that, that was a, that was a mechanic I didn't know for a little while and I, I was very upset when I realized that that was something that you could do. In fact, it's not something that you can do. It's something that you pretty much have to do mm-hmm. is if you don't know that 
you can catch things with your arms up in order to grab things to throw them at enemies. You're probably not going to make it through this game. If you don't have a manual like I don't and you just kind of have to figure things out on your own. That's that's it's not exactly intuitive that that's what you're supposed to do. So, again, this is a game that does require a little bit of knowledge, pre-knowledge going into it, which is fine. I can't fault the game for it because it did come with a manual that did tell you what you were supposed to do. It's really not the game's fault. It's more my fault. But it is something like if you're just picking it up and you're plugging in, you don't have any foresight into what this game is trying to do. That can be a little problematic because everything else in this game, except for that, is is extremely intuitive. Everything makes sense if you've played a game before, like, oh, here's some bricks here. There's there's a spot that this this brick needs to go in, I guess. Oh, I can kick the brick. And OK, so now I have to know how to kick the brick in order for all these bricks to go into the brick spots. And all makes sense. There's a missing part in this bridge over here. Oh, this item looks like a bridge. Maybe if I use this item over here. Oh, I can't get across. Oh, there's hooks here. I have a grappling hook. OK, so like everything makes sense for the most part, except when they're firing bombs at you or barrels at you and you need to catch them to throw them back. Now, once you know that, yeah, no big deal. But up until that point, that's, I think, the only really non-intuitive part of this game. But that's a big part of the game to not know. And I, I think it's entirely worth mentioning, as we have, as kind of a detractor from the experience overall. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely agree with that. Once you get that down, though, it is it, I will say it is pretty satisfying once you start coming across those enemies that can that throw not only throw the barrels at you but can catch the ones that you throw at them it's it's oh, yeah. it's a pretty satisfying little game of tennis like if you throw a barrel they catch it and then toss it back at you and you just immediately intercept and then throw it and knock them out that's 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 pretty fun but uh yeah man i mean i think i feel like we covered a lot as far as the gameplay of this of this is concerned I, so unless there was anything else that you wanted to touch on specifically for me i think just kind of capping things off like i said at the beginning i i ended up enjoying this more than i thought i would and for the most part the the gameplay is actually pretty enjoyable and i do appreciate the relative brevity of the game my playthrough going in basically blind having never played it before i finished it just shy of like three hours and that's not a lot this is because it's a puzzle game, especially once you've kind of got those down and you know what you're doing. If you were to go back and, and replay this, which truth be told, I could totally see this as one of those like comfort games for someone as a kid. Like once you kind of got used to it and you knew the puzzles and everything, like I could definitely see somebody just like popping this in the SNES and just to sit down for an hour and a half hour or two or whatever, just to just to have a fun time. So once you are accustomed to the solutions to the puzzles, uh, you could probably be very easily breeze through this in like uh, probably what, like an hour or so. Oh, easily. At least, I mean, definitely under two. Yeah. If you get really good under an hour, I could definitely see that. Absolutely. I guess the only thing I would add is that the final boss is a bit of a pain in the ass. Uh, Keel hauled Peter. Yeah. I mean, he's he's no pushover. That's for damn sure, especially if you're goofy. You need some speed mm-hmm. on that boss. But yeah, th- I think that's the only thing I would add. It's and it's a satisfying final boss fight for what it's worth. No real complaints. I mean, a final boss is supposed to be hard, right? 
I mean, you would think, yeah. You would think, especially in a game as short as this. So, I mean, that's like, what am I complaining about here? I'm just complaining about I was annoyed at times, but (laughs) in a a three-hour game, that's fair. That's to be understood. I can't bitch too much. And uh, I'll leave it at that. Well, there you go. But let's talk about the graphics here. Um, They're good. I don't know why I said I'm there. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're good. They look fine. I don't think it could look better for a Super Nintendo game with Goof Troop. Goofy looks like Goofy. Uh, the enemies look like, I don't know, pirate enemies. I guess the sprites technically could have been bigger, but they don't necessarily have to be. I mean, yes, it, there's room for improvement here. This is a 1993 game, so I don't know what the best looking game of 1993 was at the time, but this is definitely comparable. I mean, the game after this that was made by the same team was Aladdin. I do think Aladdin looks better on the Super Nintendo than this does. But I mean, mm. that's to be expected. They, It's later than this one. But no issues. I don't think I experienced anything like any slowdown or or cut frames or anything like that graphically. Yeah, it's a very pleasing game. You know what everything looks like? It's bright. It's colorful. It's smooth. And that's all you can really ask for, right? It's fine. Yeah. I mean, I, it's yeah, I, I kind of feel like it's a little bit of a cop out, but honestly, I don't I don't really have too much to add to it. It's fine. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what else to say about it. It's not. Listen, it's not anything that's going to, like, blow your mind. Right. And you're 100 percent correct that Aladdin visually is definitely markedly better than this game. But again, it came out after. But yeah, no, I think it does a good job at what it's trying to accomplish. You know, like all of the recognizable characters are represented appropriately everybody looks the way that they should i think the sprite work is competent enough i do like the little cutscene, you know transitions that they have not necessarily the best quality pixel art in the cutscenes. i will say that it's not terrible by any means but it's not like no fantastic but it's serviceable but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, man. There's not too much else to say about it. Like, I, I think it was done well. It feels like you had like the most talented artist and you gave them a really short deadline is what it kind of feels like. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. I mean, it could have been better, but it still looks really good. But you can identify areas like, yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. The cutscenes. I feel like I've seen better cutscenes on the NES, specifically from Sunsoft games. Shout out to Gremlins, too. Go check out that episode. <laughs> yeah. If I'm complaining about a, a cutscene in a in a kid's cartoon show video game, like I'm really trying to find something to criticize. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is that, yeah, like you said, Shane, nothing here is going to blow you away. It's not an outstanding title, but it does everything it needs to do in the sense that it is a bright and colorful game. So it's aged well. You can go back to this and you can enjoy it. It looks a lot better than many RPGs that were top down from that time period. There is that from that certain like view and perspective for for a top down type of game. It looks really good. But no, like if you're talking about best graphical presentations on the Super Nintendo, this is not something that you're going to be talking about the slightest. No, not really. A couple of I guess a couple of additional things before we move on. I I guess I should highlight. I do like and I didn't play as Max, so I didn't necessarily see that. But I did like the, the walk cycle animations for Goofy that they were appropriately gangly um the animation i think you mentioned like that by and large is all really smooth i also didn't encounter like any slowdown or any weird glitchiness or anything like that so i think everything was very competently put together i think there's one small nitpick that i have and it is very small but the text boxes that come up when you talk to 
NPCs in the game. Yeah, the cats suck. I really don't like the fact that they are uh, translucent. Like there's no there's no yeah. background at all. So it's just white text on whatever the, the the current game screen is. And sometimes that can be difficult to read again. Super minor thing. But like also games have been doing text boxes for fucking decades. So I just feel like putting a solid color background so it's easier to read. It was not a huge ask. So I'm not really sure of the design decision behind that one. But like I said, it's it's just kind of a nitpick. Oh, I, I agree with you. There's I have nothing more to add on that point. It's yeah, agree. I guess we should move over into the audio design. Yeah. Um, what do you think? <laughs> Are you just tossing this over to me because you don't know what to say about it? <laughs> no, because I started the last one. I think it's good to oh, have you start okay. out the, the music and sound section of this, Shane. I'm, I'm trying to be a, a, a generous, goofy inseminator. Wow. Great. Thank you. You're a generous <laughs> lover, if for nothing else. Garsh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, okay, so by and large, I think I, I liked it. I actually think I made no, I, I know I made this comment when I was playing this on stream recently, and that is if there is one gripe that I have is that I felt like the loop, the, the music loop is a little too short. It's more or less noticeable depending on what level you're on. I think the first level I didn't really even notice at all because the music is pretty enjoyable. It's just this like Calypso beachy kind of theme even though it was maybe a relatively short loop it wasn't anything that like stood out as like oh this thing is looping every whatever 20 30 seconds or what have you but it does get way more noticeable at some of the other levels i actually want to say for as much as i like the haunted castle or haunted mansion level i think that was the one where i might have pointed that out Mm. because the nature of the song in that level it's very noticeable when it loops. It kind of gets grating after a while when you're like sitting there trying to solve a puzzle. Um, granted, the music stops when you pause. So that's nice. Another reason to pause if you're sitting there just studying a puzzle. But yeah, no, I think all in all, I, I, I liked the sound design. I think everything was appropriate for the levels that they were in. I think the sound effects were also pretty good. There wasn't anything that I can think of that stood out as like, particularly bad but also not necessarily anything that was particularly good either (laughs) i think this falls under the same category as the graphics in that i think it was yeah very solidly middle of the road serviceable yeah yeah Uh, i would say the sound is serviceable too it is a soundtrack that you can tune out not to say that it's bad because i you can listen to it you if you listen to the music the music's fine there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's not grating, but you're right. That loop, especially if you're getting frustrated at a, at a puzzle and you forget to pause it and you're just like this music again, this music again, this music again. Okay. Uh, stage four is when it really got irritating for me just because stage four is a little bit longer of a stage as well uh, compared to the previous three. That's when the stages, if you don't know what you're doing, they, they definitely elongate by quite a bit, the bigger areas and so on and so forth. Yeah, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to jump in right here and say that I just went back and looked real quick while you're talking and it, it's not the haunted mansion. It actually is level four. It's the cave. Yeah, that cave music like it's it's appropriately cavey. Like it actually sounds very, very similar to the music in the, the cavern in Aladdin, which is probably not surprising because also Capcom. Right. But 
yeah, that short loop for that, like kind of like droning background, like dun, 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 dun with like the twinkly noises over the top. That shit gets grating if you're sitting there for too long. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Especially when you're getting frustrated if you can't figure out exactly what you're supposed to be doing in a puzzle sense. Yeah. You're going to need catchy music when you do that. Even the catchiest of music. People are going to get irritated when you're just trying to, to figure out where to put stuff. If it's not really quick, you could put bubble bobbles theme track there and I would want to kill somebody <laughs> other than that. Yeah, I mean, I, I say that some sounds need to be there more like you reference the bee. I don't think you hear the bee when it's flying around. If they had a little bit of a buzzing sound that would have been appreciated or just enemy sounds in general. I think they made the frogs make some sounds, but the snakes didn't make any sounds when they're moving around. So mm. like lack of audio cues for some enemies or most enemies is like re- like looking back at it afterwards it's something i'm i'm thinking about not so much when i was playing it but definitely something i can critique away from it you know, looking back at it and which could have been improved but like i just said if i wasn't really thinking about it while i was playing is it is it really a detractor not so much uh the music more so being that uh other than that it has like cute cartoony sounds uh with you knock an enemy out it makes up you know really quick just cartoony sound as you would expect from a video game based off a cartoon so (laughs) criticism is minor you're not going to be humming any of the tunes from this game i don't think uh it's not something that's going to get caught in your head in fact as we said it might annoy you but at the same time it's not going to annoy you to the point that you know you're going to turn your volume all the way down i think mentally most people are just going to be able to tune out the noise generally speaking because this is a game that requires a little bit of brain power. And I find myself when I'm thinking about what I'm supposed to be doing, even if it's not like severely mind crippling problems, I, I don't tend to focus on the music itself so I can get through it. So overall sound is it exists and it's not offensive. So good job. Goof troop. <laughs> it's actually interesting you bring that up because it's something I didn't even notice in my playthrough. But now going back and just quickly looking at like a long play on YouTube, you're 100 percent right that like none of the enemies have any sound like at all. Yeah. The frogs that you mentioned. So they, they do in that they make that little water, like bloop noise when they pop out of the water. But by the time you hear that, they're like, they're already on the ground. So it's not like it, it's not like you could use that as an indicator to like avoid them. Right. But other than that, no, that enemies have like no sound design at all, which I guess it's not a big deal in the end because I didn't notice it until you pointed it out. But it is interesting that you mentioned that because like I, I totally glossed over that when I was playing. Yeah, I think when you mentioned the B, it made me think like, did it buzz? No, it didn't. Yeah. Huh. That's weird. All right, Shane. So before we get into our Patreon pontifications, mm. I understand you have one miscellaneous fact you would like to show during the course of your research. So what do you got? I do. Yeah. Uh, So again, this is not something that as far as I'm aware has ever been officially confirmed or denied, but the connection seems pretty apparent. So a lot of people have pointed out that it would appear that this game takes a lot of inspiration from an earlier Capcom effort, which was a pirate ship Higamaru, which was an arcade puzzle game. Uh, released in Japan in 1984. If you go and look that up, now that we're talking about it, take a look at some screenshots and you'll see that it is, in fact, a top-down 
sort of Zelda-esque style puzzle-oriented game set on a pirate ship that involves barrels and fighting off pirate enemies, and there's a lot of similarities there. So a lot of people have made that connection that perhaps there was there was some inspiration taken from their their previous work with pirate ship Higemaru. So just an interesting little uh, little fact there. I'm gonna have to look that up. I've never even heard of that game. Yeah, apparently it was like I said, it was it was Japan only arcade, and then it, there was a mobile phone port of it released in Japan in like 2006. But uh, as far as I'm aware, I don't know if it's been made available stateside. Hmm. Possibly, it can through the wonders of emulation, though. That is true. Yeah, it was included in some compilations like the Capcom Classics Collection for PS2 and Xbox. Um, but again, I'm not sure if that's in the uh, the North American versions or not. Well, are you ready to get into the Patreon pontification, Shane? You know what? I am. I, I like that we're including this new section. I enjoy it as well. And if you would like to have your thoughts about our game of the day included in these episodes, what you can do is you can head over to our Patreon at linktree slash retrohangover, which is linkdr.ee slash retrohangover, and then join our Discord. And if you Submit a comment for whatever game we might be covering next, which you also get exclusive information on what that game might be based off that information, based off, you know, just that. Then, uh, yeah, your comment will be read here on the show. So, Shane, how about you kick this one off? Sure. Yeah. So we start off our pontifications with the one and only quiz master, the masked Keaton. And he says that uh, he rented it and beat it. And he's pretty sure that he enjoyed it. <laughs> And he says, I ponder picking it up when I see it at retro stores, which would imply that perhaps he has not done that yet. I don't know if this episode is going to sway you, Keaton, or not, but uh, but there you go. All right. Our next comment is from Keith Gasper from the Main Quest podcast. He says he's never played it, but who knew Squaresoft would take over and make the weird sequel in 2002? <laughs> Thank you, Keith. Eric is going to be right on that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. And uh, we are rounding out our pontifications this time with a little bit of a longer one. But given that we only have a few, you know, we'll we'll allow it this time. But uh, still smash the milkman says it may just be the rose colored glasses of nostalgia, but Goof Troop is a top tier SNES game for me. I have so many memories of playing with my dad growing up and every summer when two of my cousins would come stay a few weeks. We would always play through the game at least two or three times. The puzzles probably aren't that tough or in-depth, but for an eight-year-old, they could give me pause sometimes. Yeah, they were definitely not tough or anything. It's just totally cool. No. I'm an adult. No. Uh, anyway, yeah. just looking at a screenshot brings the music into my mind and takes me back to those elementary school summers. Like I said, it may just be the nostalgia, but this is one of those SNES games that instantly takes me back in time to younger and more innocent days. Thank you, Studstill Smash. Studstill is the person who nominated this game for today. He nominated it at the tier he is eligible to do so, and our patrons elected it. So thank you for nominating this game, because, you know, we're about to talk about whether or not we enjoyed it. <laughs> so I, I guess that does bring us to our final section as we wrap this up. Does this game hold up today? Do you want me to take this for a shade or, or you got this? Yeah, you know what? Why don't, why don't you go ahead? You, you start us off. Okay. So I'm going to go off with, yeah, yeah, this game holds up today. It definitely, it definitely does. I think that 
The mechanics here, are they all perfect? No, they're not. But this is a game that I think I could just sit down. I can have a good time with. It's not too difficult. It's it's not long. If there's any struggle with it whatsoever, I can just put it down and come back to it later. And because of the password save, you can just master each level one at a time. And before you know it, you're probably beating this game in less than an hour. And with the quality and the polish that you are getting for a Super Nintendo title, you really can't ask for much more. It's Capcom quality through and through. No, it's not their best efforts. No, I don't really think it's one of the best games of all time. But then again, I didn't have someone to play it with in a co-op setting. So co-op might be the way to do this. And it might be a ton of fun. It looks like a ton of fun. And with each character having different qualities in terms of Goofy being slower, but more powerful and Max being faster and able to navigate around the screen in order to avoid and, and solve puzzles quicker. Yeah, you could probably have a lot of fun with with a friend, with a cousin, with your father, as Stuzzle's Mass did or mother, you know, whatever the case might be. Yeah, this is a game that definitely does hold up. Uh, no control issues, still looks good, still sounds decent, flows very well. Uh, Goof Troop is a recommendation in my book. How about you, Shane? Yeah, I think overall I would say yes. I, I think it still holds up today. I don't think there's really anything that would detract from somebody playing this today. You know, there are a lot of games that we've covered where it's just like, ah, you know, there's like, this this was good at the time, but you know, some of these mechanics just do not hold up or there have been a lot of quality of life improvements since this game came out that just make this, you know, real rough to go back to, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't really see any of that here. I think partially because it is just really straightforward in what it's doing. Like it's not trying to do anything weird or esoteric. It's just, this is a puzzle game with some, some light combat. And given that it is a 16 bit pixel based, uh, 2d game, it also holds up in that fashion really well. So the only thing I could think of that might be a detractor is just not knowing, like we said, some of the less obvious mechanics just because arguably someone coming to this today might not have the instruction manual available, but also like instruction manuals are available online now. Like there's a PDF scan of just about every manual ever on the internet for you to just go find. So it's not like it's that difficult to track down necessarily. And even mm -hmm. then that's not enough for me to say like, nah, it doesn't hold up. Like, it's it's a fun little game. It doesn't ask a lot of you in terms of time. I will say that some of the puzzles later on do take a little bit of brain power to get through. But once you solve them, I could like I said, I could easily see this being a game that someone would just like come back to and pop in every now and again just to blow off some steam or just have a good time for an hour or two. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I don't see why not. I think someone could definitely go to, back to this game today right now and still have an enjoyable experience. There it is. The Goof Troop holds up both of our opinions. Doesn't really do anything wrong. So yeah, go check it out. Emulate it. Play it any way you can. It's not that expensive as a game itself. Things like $20. If you want to get a physical copy, if you have the means to play that. But otherwise, yeah, just go find it. Capcom hasn't made it available, so they're not just resting and taking your money. <laughs> so there that is. I think this is about time where we wrap up this show and tell everyone all the other places that we can find us. Ah, uh, where can we find us? Well, yes, Chris already mentioned it, but uh, we do have that old link tree. So that's the place to go. So 
if you if you want to find more retro hangover and and you didn't know already then that's where you need to be so head over to linktree slash retro hangover and you'll find all of our stuff there uh that the the show feed itself if you I don't know, are listening to this somehow in a weird parallel universe and you need to create a weird time loop to where you need to find the show in order to find the show. I don't know, man. Time is weird and and wibbly wobbly, but you can do that. Mm -hmm. You can also find our Patreon and the merch store should you wish to support the show in that fashion. And uh, you, you can also find our socials with those those little icons down along the bottom of the of the of the link tree uh as well as our Twitch streams where I did in fact play this game you did more or less start to finish I didn't play the last level but that was just for the sake of time but uh you could have seen me play through this live before we even talked about it so if you want to get in on that kind of action Chris is going to tell you how you can do that yeah, so if you head over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover, you too can join in on the action and watch us play video games with our fantastic community who keep our comment section fresh. And we do this at 9 p.m. Eastern time, U.S. And typically, as I have been saying, Shane usually does the spoops unless he is playing a game like Goof Troop. And I'm usually just angry and annoying. But if you want to see me get angry and annoying and Shane get spooked, just head over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover. And we hope to see you there at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Sundays. All right. Well, I suppose all of that being said, until next time. Play with your mad, wet, squirty, goofy dildo joystick. Yuck. Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in headfirst with full 12 ounce bags They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash RHP Bones. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.